Quest Community Church, living life as friends with faith through knowing God, loving others, and making a difference. Well, good morning, Quest. I'm happy to be here with you worshiping. Um, Today is going to be a great day. It's a fun day. We're going to be celebrating baptisms at the end of this sermon, which I'm very excited about. I love celebrating baptisms anytime we do them. But today is a little bit different for me because one of my friends is also getting baptized. And so I'm super excited. I hope that you will um, be as excited uh, as I am about uh, just celebrating this wonderful act. You know, when you think about it, um, baptisms really are just a, a great way to celebrate the Christmas season. You know, the reason that we come and we get baptized is because uh, we are professing our faith in Christ, the Christ who was born, the Christ that we are anticipating, the Christ uh, that we are waiting for right now. And so uh, I'm excited uh, today. I think it's a, a fitting end for us as we worship God. Uh, this morning. And I want to pray for us as we begin just to open up God's word. So if you'll bow with me, Heavenly Father, our creator, uh, we come to you this morning and, and uh, some of us uh, may have had crazy, hectic mornings. Some of us may be distracted by what's going on, by uh, the things that are coming up uh, this week. And Lord, I just pray that you would settle our hearts, that you would um, allow us to just be focused and present with you here in this worship service. Pray that, that you would open us up so that you can speak to us, that you can um, just talk to us and we can hear it, that we would be receptive to the words uh, that you have for us. Heighten our awareness, our, our awareness Lord, uh, as we seek you this morning. Let us be filled with joy as we move closer to the celebration of your son in this season. Uh, stir in our hearts today, God, we pray. Amen. Well, this morning, I'm going to light the uh, the third candle in the Advent wreath. And uh, I want to highlight uh, the name that's given to Jesus by the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4, the prophet calls Jesus the king of the nations. And uh, he's a king that provides a sense of safety and justice and peace to everyone. A king that will unite all of the nations with restoration and with prosperity. He's he's the king that's going to uh, beat our swords into plowshares and our spears into pruning hooks. Under Jesus's rule, uh, nations will not take up swords against nations anymore, nor will they train for war anymore. Uh, Long before Jesus's birth, the hope for Jesus was that he would provide for us everything uh, that we would need, that, that, that we would be able to prosper under his reign. Uh, there wouldn't be any more fears, there would be no more worry or anxiety, but instead nations would be united with nations. And, and, and this is something I believe that we can joyfully anticipate as we celebrate uh, this season of Christmas. So Jesus rules and he reigns in our lives um, as we anticipate his coming. And when I think about anticipation, I remember um, uh, Christmas as a child, and uh, many of you probably are, are familiar with uh, this movie. Yes, right. I think this is like the, um, the the a great hallmark for what it means to really anticipate something that's coming. You know, Ralph he captures that deep desire for what he's going to receive for that something that's going to come. And um, have you ever noticed that like uh, when you are wanting something, that when you desire something, that when when you're anticipating something, kind of like Ralphie, that it's all that you can think of. 
It's all that you can see. It's all that you can focus on. It's everything, right? Um, everywhere you go, you see that thing that you want so badly. I remember uh, when I was uh, a kid, every Christmas there was something new that I was hoping would be under that Christmas tree, right? You know, that toy or that game system or whatever. But I think the one I remember the most from when I was a kid, I was in seventh grade, and um, I wanted this Tony Alva Fred Smith three skateboard. I mean, it was all I could think about. And I'd even, like, grown my hair out so that I looked like Tony Hawk, so that when I rode it down the street, my hair would just flow and flutter, and and um, so I could be like a true skateboarder. I mean, I really did this, and um, and it would be like, uh, you know, like if I saw anyone skateboarding in the streets, I was so jealous because, oh, you've got that cool skateboard. In Texas, you can skateboard in the middle of winter because it's hot, so... Um, that's what I grew up in, but you know, that's, that's the sense that we have. Whenever we want something, whenever we anticipate something, we notice it. And today, for me, I think I'm really still the same way. Like, um, I want to replace my old, uh, truck with a Jeep Wrangler. And, um, now all I see everywhere around me are Jeep Wranglers. You know, there's one, there's one, there's that guy gets to drive a Jeep Wrangler. It's not fair. I want a Jeep Wrangler. By the way, if you want to buy me a Christmas present, here's my list, okay? Um, I'm pretty sure it'll fit under the tree. No, you don't have to. Yes, you do. Please. Anyway, it's whatever. Um, so anyway, before I wanted a Jeep Wrangler, I didn't really notice them. I know that they were out there. I knew people were driving them. I mean, they've been driving them since like the World War something or other. And um, they've been out there, but I didn't notice them. Now that I want one, it's everywhere I see. Oh, there's a Jeep Wrangler. Oh, there's a Jeep Wrangler. And uh, I mean, this, this happens for all of us. You know, when, when there's something that we want, all of a sudden, everything around us points to it, right? I mean, think about it. How many of you guys are in the market for something like a big screen TV, a giant wide 80 inch, right? 4K, anybody out there? Like when you go into a restaurant, you just like, you get, look at the TVs and you're like, oh, those are really nice. I want one of those. Or like you come in here and you're like, ooh, I want that. That'll fit on my living room wall. Yeah, those are nice. Women, I, I mean, I don't, I don't really know what you really like, but I'm sure maybe you're in the market for a new pair of boots or something like that. And like everywhere you, you go, you see them, like they're just walking around and you're like, oh, I want those. Those will look good. Last year you didn't want them, so you didn't notice them. They were all there, but now all of a sudden it's all you see. It's all you think about, you know, these boots. It's, it, there's actually a scientific thing, um, that's known as reticular awareness. This is the reason why this happens. It's a part of, um, and by the way, I'm not a scientist, so I'm not going to go too deep into this because I'll just mess it up. But I'm going to tell you just a little bit about it. It's it's our, our reticular activating system. And it controls a bunch of different functions in our body. Um, but ultimately, what it does is that like our brain becomes trained to notice different things. And so they stick out to us when, when they're around. Like for me, um, my brain is trained to notice certain things. Uh, I notice anytime something about Baylor is on the TV, boy, I'm drawn to it. You know, I, if, if Ohio State could be up there and I'd be like, I don't even know what they're talking about, Baylor. You know, like my brain is trained to that because that's where I went to school. Or, or like if I notice something about the Bible, like I'm reading an article and they start talking about the Bible, I'm just drawn to it. I find it really quickly. My wife tells me um, that this is the reason why um, I hear certain things and I choose to ignore other things. You know, like it's my, my reticular activating system. 
When we think about certain things, then we begin to notice them more and more when they're presented to us. Our minds are, are drawn to them. And, and I think this is a great thing. It's, it's, it's how God has wired us. And, and honestly, I think that he made us this way so that we can train our brains to notice when God is calling us, when, when, when he wants to show us something. You know, God designed us this way so that we can develop our ability to hear him and, and see what he's doing around us. That's a pretty cool thought, right? So we're going we're gonna to spend some time today in one of my favorite parts of the Christmas story. This is the story of the Magi, and it's only found in the Gospel of Matthew, and I believe that there's a reason for that. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but, but I love this story uh, because it's so unexpected. It's really from out of left field, and, and, and it's honestly caused some people to sidestep this whole story or, or call the Magi something different because they're afraid of really identifying who these people are or what they really did, and so they create these kind of explanations. But, but the reality is um, these Magi were magicians, okay? They were astrologers, and, and, and they studied the stars looking to them for signs about what would happen uh, in the earth. And I don't think that we can really get away from it. And honestly, I don't think we need to worry about it too much because um, if, if I really look at it and I think about it, it, it really points to something that's amazing about who God is and what he wants to say, say to us. And, and uh, um, in Matthew, once again, it's the only text that includes the Magi. And he makes a clear point of this when he includes these astrologers in this story. The birth of Christ, it's a birth that has the capacity to affect everyone. Not just the Jews, not just the chosen people, but, but Jesus came to be the king of the nations. He was more than just the king of one race or one people group. Okay, so let me, let me read this text. And as I do, I want you to pay special attention to the Magi's. I want you to pay special attention to how they saw this star and what happened. This is out of Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now, if, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open it up and, and, you know, make marks and question marks and underline and all that kind of stuff. It's totally cool to do that. Um, if you don't, that's fine. The words are on the screen. You can follow along with me. Now, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And he assembled all of the chief priests and scribes of the people. He inquired of them uh, where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced greatly or exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now, what are these men predisposed to? You know, what, what, what have they trained their minds to see? To recognize. Well, it's the stars, right? You know, they're, they're astrologers, so they're looking for signs in the stars, and, and they see something that amazes them, something that changes the very course of their lives. So, so they follow a star in order to find a king, to find Jesus. Now, once again, I'm not a scientist, uh, nor am I an astrologer, thankfully, right? I mean, can you even go to school for that? I don't even know. Um, but, but there have been men, Contemporary men who have spent their scholarship, their their time researching what the Magi were actually following, trying to understand why they followed this star. I mean, think about this for a minute. The Magi, they left their country, they went on a journey, a long journey, because of what they believed. Now, if you bear with me for a moment, I want to talk about what some of these scholars have found. A uh, little disclaimer, though, their findings do begin in astrology, okay? And, and, and quite frankly, they should, because the wise men started with the signs of the zodiac. Uh, they started with horoscopes, and that's what caused these men to be intrigued by this star. See, there were a series of celestial events that were occurring at the same time. These were events that had, had really never occurred before, um, but they were things in the astrological world that pointed to only one thing. A king was to be born, a very special king. And within the Greek astrology system, there was this, uh, there are rules that are in place that establish, um, and define when regal births are going to take place. And, and the rules can even tell uh, an astrologer um, which country would be blessed by such a birth. That's the reason why the Magi came to Judea and they said they want to worship the king of the Jews. They knew where the king was going to be born. They knew um, who he was going to be king of, right? So, so um, because the stars told these Magi to come, they followed it. Now, I understand how this can be a little bit difficult to process as Christians, right? I mean, we're talking about astrology. This is, this is a little bit difficult. But when we read this story at face value, these are the realities that, that we must accept, okay? Um, but I think it really does point to a much bigger understanding of who our God is. The great thing about the 21st century is uh, that we now have computer programs that can track the movement of the stars at least back until right before Christ was born. And, uh, and, and this means that a computer can visualize the sky from any vantage point on earth that it wants to at any given date that it wants to. So we can see actually what the Magi saw in the sky that night. And uh, it's, it's pretty awesome. And scientists, they've been doing this, and, and, and this is what they found. Somewhere between 8 BC and 4 BC, um, generally about, uh, April 17th, 6 BC, uh, they, just not too specific, but right then, um, there, there's this interesting occurrence that happens in the sky, okay? The planet Jupiter is, um, rising in the sky, and from Earth, it looked as if it's merging with another planet, or possibly a moon, and, and it, it creates this exceedingly bright light, okay? And it's also known as heliacal rising, which means that it rose before the sun in the morning. Often, when we read this text and other translations, we'll, we'll read about, you know, how the Magi came from the east and they followed a star that rose in the east. And it's kind of weird because we know that they're going west and so they're like, they come from the east, but they're going to the east even though they're going to end up over here. Well, it's because there's a misunderstanding in, in the text, 
Really what it means when it says the star rises in the east is that it's, it's arising before the sun. It's a morning star, right? I mean, after all, where does the sun rise from? The east, right? Okay, so it's a morning star. It's the morning time, okay? Now, think about this. So we, get, we have this bright star that rises in the east. It's a morning star. I mean, this is pretty cool. I mean, Jesus Christ himself in Revelation twenty two sixteen calls himself the bright morning star. That's what he says, right? So, so, but there's more, okay? So what you may not know about the planet Jupiter is that to astrologers, it's known as the king planet, as the regal planet. These magi are following this star because they believed that it would lead them to a king. And, and we already know that it did. Now, now, when we take a step back and we start to look at all this stuff that's happening, I mean, I just, I'm struck by one thought. I mean, how big is God, right? I mean, we know that God created the heavens and the earth, but have we ever thought about the fact that when God created the heavens and the earth, that he looked forward to a time when Jesus would come to be born as our savior? I mean, he, he was, he was thinking this through in his infinite creativity and intelligent design. He set our universe in motion. So that this planet, so that Jupiter would rise and these men would see it in the sky and they would follow it. So they would be able to worship the King Jesus. They were drawn to Jesus because our creator drew them to Jesus. Holy cow, right? Let me say that again. The Magi, these astrologers were drawn to Jesus because God drew them to the King. That's miraculous. That is cool. But there's more. This is fun too. Scripture tells us um, that the star stopped over Bethlehem. Now I believe that God can do whatever he wants with the planets that he created. He can make a planet stop and, you know, do whatever he wants to. But here's the great thing. He didn't have to. When he set it all into motion, he established this rotation of the planet Jupiter so that it looked like it would actually do that. It's, it's actually something known as retrograde motion. It's a, it's a concept, uh, that, that we all are aware of, but we may not know it. Okay. So it's kind of like this. You know how when you're driving in a car and you're going really fast and there's a car that's like slower than you and when you pass them, it looks like they're stopped because of what the background is doing, like the actual, you know what I'm talking about? If you've ever driven with a teenager, you know exactly what I'm talking about because they speed everywhere. I mean, seriously, why are you in such a hurry to get places? Slow down. Saves lives. Deal with it. No, seriously. Okay. A faster car passing a slower car with the background visible, it seems like the slower car is not moving. This is um, what retrograde motion is. And I know I'm not really explaining it well. I apologize if you Google it. There's tons of videos out there about it. But the planet Jupiter actually undergoes something similar from the perspective of the surface of the, of the Earth. As we orbit around the sun and we look at Jupiter, because our rotation is faster, it seems as though Jupiter stands still. Here, I want you to look at this graphic uh, depiction of what I mean. This is from Michael Molnar's book, uh, The Star of Bethlehem. Molnar is an astronomer, and he's also, uh, or was, the director uh, or the former manager of the physics lab at Rutgers University. And, and so what he does is he shows this, the orbit of the Earth, and each of these points on the orbit are like where you look at um, Jupiter. And, and so at point one, it looks like it's in one specific spot, but then point two, it changes, and Two, three, and four, each of those, it looks like Jupiter hasn't moved at all. But what it's actually doing is it's creating this retrograde Z motion. And then you get around to five and it's kind of moved forward. 
So, so God sets Jupiter's path in the sky in motion and he causes this star to hover right over Bethlehem so that, uh, the, the Magi would be drawn to the King Jesus. This is how precise our God is, that, that he created all of us, that he, that he made the planets function according to his design for the grand purpose of announcing the birth of Jesus. Holy cow. That's awesome, right? I mean, it doesn't, we don't have words to describe how big God is. I mean, he's thinking about all of this stuff. So we have these men who followed this star to the place of Jesus' birth and, and, and ultimately to him. And when they get there, they worship him. I mean, it really is a picture, a beautiful picture of God's grace. I mean, does it matter how we get to Jesus as long as when we get to him, we fall down at his feet and we worship him? I mean, that's that's really the point, right? I mean, these astrologers, they found Jesus through magic, but when they got before him, they worshiped him. In no way, in no way should, should God's use of astrological, um, of their astrological knowings or their cultural background, uh, should it be used to communicate or indicate an endorsement of astrology, but rather... It indicates God's care in meeting individuals right where they are. Let me say that again. None of this means that God is endorsing astrology or any of that stuff, but rather it's showing that God will meet us right where we are. That's our God. See, see, not only is there no nation that Jesus will not rule over, but when he makes himself known, he makes himself known to us right where we are. And I get excited about this kind of thing. It stirs in me because God will not be confined to any box that we want to put him in. And he uses people like these pagan astrologers to make his point. I mean, think about it. Here, here we have this book of Matthew. This is really cool. Here's this book of Matthew. Matthew wrote it. He's writing it to um, Christians in a really a Jewish context. Christianity is rooted deeply in Judaism, okay? And, and, and he's writing it to these folks who understand this. And the Holy Spirit leads Matthew the author, to write this story about the Magi, about these magicians, astrologers, pagans, Gentiles. This is, this is where he starts. Now, I want to point something out that's really amazing, okay? The very first people to identify Jesus as king in the Gospel of Matthew are the Magi. The very first people to identify Jesus as king are the Magi. They are the ones who make his birth and his name great here in this text. Men who probably came from Babylonia. They traveled a long way to worship the king of the Jews. It wasn't the people who were right there in Jerusalem. It wasn't the Pharisees or the Sadducees or the scribes. It wasn't Herod. It was the Magi. Okay? It, it was, it was these people who were tuned into what God was doing in the heavenly realms. It was these men who were looking at the stars who recognized that Jesus was about to be born. I think it's evident what God wants to communicate through the Magi. And I've already said it, um, you know, here. But if I had the chance and I was there when the Magi arrived and they said, we're here to worship the king of the Jews, I'd say, no, 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 no. He's not just the king of the Jews. Jesus is the king of all nations. He's the king of everyone. It's unexpected that it's the Magi who first called Jesus king. But it's also unexpected that Jesus is to be more than just the king of the Jews. He's not going to be just the king who overthrows the Roman government and, and 
brings back to position the Jewish people know. He's overthrowing all governments and he's going to rule and reign in the hearts of everybody because that's what he said he's going to do. He is the ruler of all nations. He's the king of kings, the king of all nations. This is what Matthew wants to tell us in this story. And let me show you why I'm so adamant about this. If you turn in your Bibles to the end of Matthew, to the 27th chapter, we find Jesus there hanging on a cross. And as he breathes his last breath after being mocked, the curtain inside the temple is torn in two. The saints who were dead, they rise from their graves. And then there's this great earthquake that shakes the earth. And there in verse 54, it's a Roman centurion who makes the last proclamation of who Jesus is during his natural life. Roman, or Matthew uh, 27, verse 54. When the centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this is the son of God. From the beginning to the end of this book, the first and the last people who identified Jesus as king and as son of God were Gentiles. Our God did not orchestrate the universe in such a way at the birth of Jesus simply because he wanted to rule over the Jews. No, Jesus came to rule over all the nations with peace, with prosperity, and with justice. That's who our king is. In the Advent season, we worship the king of everything, and everything will worship our king, right? All of creation was made for his glory, and all of creation will be used for his glory. No one and nothing is excluded from the reign of Jesus. I mean, how can it be, right? He was the one who created it, and he rules over all of it. But in all of the creation that he's made, he still comes to us and shows himself to us in a most intimate way. God is big, but God is not so big that we can't find him. He's majestic. He's uh, mysterious. He is grandiose. He is smart. He is, there's all of these things. And sometimes I think we get lost in, in who God is and trying to figure him out. But the reality is that God is not so big that he won't come to us and meet with us in an intimate way. Because he is far more concerned about us knowing him and being in relationship with him than he is in being majestic. God longs for us to know him. He spoke to the Magi in a way that they could understand. So why wouldn't he do the same thing for us, right? Well, he will. He will. He does. Of course he will. So the question becomes, are are we tuned in to how he might speak to us? or, Or are we focused on the wrong things? You know... Where is Jesus? In this season, there are so many things around us that point to Jesus. There are so many places where we can see him all around us, but often we get lost in the midst of those things that create anxiety or frustration or whatever else comes with the holidays for you, that we lose the fact that we can meet with Jesus anytime, anywhere. He will be there. So if you want to hear from God, if you want to... um, Listen to him. If you want to hear him speak to your life, then fix your eyes and ears on Jesus. I mean, what does it mean? In, in all of our curiosities in life, it means we need to focus on him. I want to tell you a story um, just to help you understand what I mean. I was in a dark place in my life about six years ago. Alexis and I were trying to conceive, uh, but we couldn't. We were having a hard time. It had been about two years of trying, and we were afraid that we were going to have to deal with infertility. 
Um, and I knew someone that um, had gone through a very similar situation, and I trusted this person, so I asked to meet with him so I could get some advice. And, and we met together, and he gave me some great advice, things that I could do, things that Alexis could do, things that we could do together um, to get us through this point. And it was wonderful. But then, as we were ending our meeting time, he asked me this question. He asked if, if I'd ever ask God what he might have for me to learn through the time that I was going through. And the truth is, I hadn't ever asked God that question. I had, I had talked to God about it. I had screamed to God about it. You know, why aren't we, you know, pregnant, God? Why, why this? Why us? How come you choose to bless this person and this couple and these people with babies, but you won't give them to us? I screamed at God the whole time. But what I was doing was I was focusing on me the entire time. I was focusing on us. I wasn't focusing on what God might want to do in the midst of that situation for Alexis and I. See, here's the difference. We all have these places in our lives where we need the Lord to reign, to be ruler, but we want what we want more, right? And so our awareness is not focused on what God wants for us, but rather on what we want. See, Jesus' birth marked a very different time in the history of the world. For the first time, all of his creation had intimate access with God. It, it's, it's really why we celebrate Christmas. You know, he came to earth so that, so that he could reign in all of our lives. He came to earth so that everyone could have access to God. Sometimes we block that experience with Jesus because we're more focused on what we want for ourselves in that moment. And so we struggle to see what he's already doing in our lives or around us. We struggle to hear what he's saying to us because we're so focused on us. Instead, I want to challenge us with a question to ask God. I don't know where you are in this season. I don't know what is, um, has kind of got you to a place where you may not be able to hear the voice of God. You want to, but you don't know how to. I want to challenge you with this one question to simply ask God, what do you have for me in the midst of this? Whatever it is, what do you have for me in the midst of this, God? As we close this morning, I want to leave you with this one question. What do you want to teach me through this? It's a question that changes our perspective. It takes our agenda and our desires off the throne and it puts God there so he can rule and reign in our life. And as he shows you what he wants to teach you, I want to encourage you with this also. Follow him, okay? When God speaks to you because he wants to, follow the lead that he's giving to you. Tune your ears to his leadership in your life. And when he leads, follow him. Because when you follow him, you're going to find a king. That's who he is. Now, just this one simple question helped me to adjust who was on the throne in my life. And I know that there's a whole lot more, but this one was just really helpful for me. And so what we're going to do this morning, as we approach the throne of God, I ask that we would be humble, that we would come to him and say, God, just show us what you want to do for us here in this moment. We're going to pray. And uh, and I want you just to ask that question. And we're going to wait for a minute. And we're just going to listen to what God may say. And here's the thing. If he says something to you, if he speaks to you in this moment, I want you to write it down. I want you to take the bulletin or write it on your hand or wherever you write stuff. Maybe it's on your um, mobile device. When God speaks, write down what he's saying and follow that leading. What do you want to teach me through this, God? Let's pray. Great God, you are majestic. You are mysterious. You are grand. You, you have set so many things in motion. You're so thoughtful. And yet, 
at the same time, you want to be close to us. You want to be near us so that we can hear your still small voice. And I pray that we would just position ourselves this morning so that we can hear it, so that we can hear you speak to us. What do you want to teach me through this today, God? What do you have for me right now? And we listen. I pray that we would just listen. What do you have for me, God? Holy Spirit, come. Just speak to our hearts. Jesus. God, we thank you for the ways that you communicate to us, where that you meet us right where we are with a voice that we can recognize and hear. We thank you, God, for that. We thank you that that it doesn't matter what path we're on, you still call out to us. You initiate with us. Thank you, God. Now we pray that as we listen to your voice, that we might take the initiative to follow you. Let us follow you. Pray these things in your son's name as we celebrate his birth in this season. Amen. Amen. Now I, I want to give you an example of uh, precisely what I'm talking about. And um, I'm pretty sure that, that most of you or mo- mo- many of you are aware that the teachers in New Albany have, there's a little bit of low morale going on in the school district there. And um, based on the last levy that, that failed. And uh, here's, here's a group of folks, teachers, administrators, faculty, staff, bus drivers, you name it. Folks who really need to know that God cares for them, that God loves them, that God wants to minister to them where they are. And I want to challenge you, Quest, that you might end up being the voice of God to them. And here's, here's what I want to, want to do. You probably noticed on your way in, there were a bunch of trees that had, um, these cards on them, right? And, uh, these cards are, we're calling them blessing tree cards. Okay. And, uh, there's eight trees out in our lobby, one for each of the buildings in, uh, new Albany that we want to, we want to write blessings on these cards to give to the teachers, to give to the faculty, to give to the staff, to give to the custodians, to give to everyone in new Albany. Cause we want to let them know that God cares for them. And so we're going to encourage them. We're going to bless them with words of encouragement. And as you leave this morning, I want to just encourage you to grab five, ten of these and write some notes of encouragement to those teachers. Doesn't matter if you know them. Doesn't matter if you know them because the truth is God still loves them and we can tell them that. And so just write these cards, put them on the trees. We're going to send them this week and and just bless uh, the staff. See, not only do we get to hear from God, but sometimes we also get to be the conduits for blessing so that others can hear the voice of God in their life. And that's what I want to challenge you with this morning. Now, though, we're going to we're going to worship uh, in a special way. And I want to invite the Baptist to come on up. Uh, anyone who's getting baptized, uh, come on up and and uh, just straight up through the thing. And um, we're going to celebrate these folks as they get baptized. Every single person who was baptized this morning has already made a confession of faith that they are followers of Jesus. And they want to just tell their friends and family and the community of Quest uh, that they are following Jesus. I want to invite families to come forward, students, everyone. We want to celebrate them. So come on up if you want to join in. 
And uh, we're going to worship this morning uh, with them. And so we're going to sing a song. Dusty's going to lead us. I just want to encourage you to sing along with us. Pray for these folks. Celebrate them. Because this is an amazing day in the lives of these folks. So let's worship. Thank you for listening. Join us at Quest as we walk with one another in friendship while discovering the reality and goodness of God together. For more information and service times, visit us online at go to quest.org.